Welcome to A Slice of Orange. I'm Jody Balma, and I'm continuing my series on judicial candidates for the June election. There are nine open seats on the Orange County ballot, so it's going to take some time. But if you missed the past episodes, I hope you'll go back and meet Jessica Cha, Joe Dane, and Brett Wiseman. We'll have more in future weeks, but today you'll hear from Israel Clastro, Assistant Head of Court and a Senior Deputy District Attorney in Orange County, and he's here as a candidate for Superior Court Judge, seat 45 on the June election. Today is a tribute to big families and older sisters who help raise their siblings, building a strong work ethic, and the importance of finding mentors who help you along the way. We've got some advice for pre-law students, including considering chemistry as your major, and what people look for when hiring students and lawyers for the DA's office. You'll learn a little bit about the Golden State Killer case and why chemistry came in handy, uh, why treating people with respect and Loving where you, where you work is important, and Clustro's work with the Legal Studies Academy at Santa Ana High School, preparing the next generation of lawyers, and why he'd like to serve as Superior Court Judge for the County of Orange. Let's get started. Uh, so welcome to A Slice of Orange. Today I'm talking with Israel Clastro, a senior deputy district attorney in Orange County, an assistant head of court, uh, and a candidate for Superior Court Judge, seat uh, number 45 on the June election. So welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. So uh, one of the questions I get the most during election season is who to vote for for judge. So I'm doing a series and many, many, many of my friends recommended that I reach out and talk to you. So thank you for coming on and, and sharing some time with us. You're very welcome. It's good to be here. Um, I'm, I'm excited to, to have you listen to what I have to say and answer any questions you have. I love it. Great. So let's start off with uh, your bio. Tell us a little bit about the personal sure. and professional story that leads you here. Sure. And I think you're, many of your students might uh, sympathize and empathize with with what I've gone through. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a son of a Mexican immigrant family. Uh, my parents have a sixth grade education and they came from a farming town in Jalisco, Mexico. I'm the seventh of eight kids. Um, my parents, when my parents came to the country in 72, um, they had to work full time. So I essentially was raised by my sisters. So my sisters would spend our summers with us. My sisters taught me to speak uh, English um, you know, because Spanish was primarily my focus between first and the uh, between between the ages of, of, of one and, and five until I was in kindergarten and grade school. So there were a big um, uh, my sisters are a big inspiration to me because of the role they played in my life. Um, I was fortunate enough to to have a lot of mentors throughout throughout my career um, in high school. I had a lot of church groups that were mentors to me, um, uh, people that uh, took an interest in me. Um, I was fortunate enough to, to spend a couple of summers at the um, uh, Cal State Sacramento and uh, UC Davis and then UC San Diego. So when I got into college, I uh, went to University of Redlands. I was a horrible chemistry uh, high school student, but I majored in chemistry, uh, finished with honors in chemistry. I um, uh, then uh, went on, took a year off because I had to work to uh, my two um my two part-time jobs during um, undergraduate school, which is you know something that my dad taught me to be a well-rounded kid. And um, uh, when I went to, to law school here in Fullerton, um, I went to Western State when it was in Fullerton across the street from Cal State Fullerton. 
Um, statistically speaking, I didn't do very well in the LSAT, but I graduated third in my class with uh, magna cum laude honors. Um, the yeah. school gave me a number of scholarships and um, they uh, they paid for uh, my tuition second and third year. I get I got scholarships from other um, organizations, Hispanic Bar Association, the Thurgood Marshall Association. Um, Scott McCune uh, provided a scholarship as well. And um, my third year in law school, uh, while I was uh, in school, my career services um, uh, director caught me in the hallway and asked me if I wanted to be, if I wanted to interview for the DA's office because they were looking for somebody with a chemistry or a, uh, some type of a science background. So luckily, uh, my interview was 24 hours later, and luckily the person that interviewed me was actually a criminalist with a science background. So she hired me. And uh, lucky for me, I got to work on the Golden State Killer Project back in 2001. Wow. So yeah. fascinating work. Right, right. So a couple of things stick out uh, sure. uh, of your bio that I, that I want to highlight. Um, sure. First of all is the, the amazing work that sisters do. Um, I have a lot of students who are those older sisters who take on that responsibility. Um, and, uh, you know, Encanto is a love letter to, to older sisters. Uh, so we have that. But one of eight, uh, there's a lot of uh, lessons in, in growing up in a big family. So talk a little bit about that and your work ethic, because time and time again, it is that work ethic that really got you through and to the next stage in your, in your story. It is. I think that um, what's what a lot of people don't realize is when you grow up in a big family like that, um, we all take on roles. And my sisters took on a motherly role. They would they would um, take care of us during the summers, especially when, you know, we weren't accustomed to doing, you know, the things that uh, the tra traditional families do. You know, we spent a lot of my sister spent a lot of time cleaning the house and, you know, showing us how to clean the house and showing us how to, um, you know, cook cook for ourselves and making sure that we were, you know, well behaved. But uh, my sisters, you know, taught us just the basic needs and the basic essentials of, um, of being respectful. And I think that came from our parents as well. But um, part and parcel of that was because we were such a large family, we all had our responsibilities. And my father from a very early age taught my brothers and sisters and I to, to do things around the house. So I was able to, you know, do small things like, uh, for example, uh, my father would teach us um, how to uh, change the oil in a car or how to, um, you know, mow the lawn or trim the hedges or even paint small things around the house. Like we had uh, uh, an older home that needed a lot of upkeep. So we were required to learn to paint and do things around the house that made us useful. So um, I think I can't remember a summer where we were always, you know, um, out and about. We were always doing something and making sure that we kept ourselves busy and I think a lot of that is because my sisters took on those roles of teaching us how to even cook the smallest meals. You know, as, you know, we weren't very, you know, very affluent growing up. So a lot of our meals actually, believe it or not, were at the elementary school um, and, and public parks where, you know, lunch, free lunch was offered to us. So, you know, right. I can't, I can't tell you how much of a role our sisters played in our development as young adults and, and, and kids back in the day. Mm -hmm. And then since I'm a political science uh, professor and get all of these students majoring in political science as pre-law, we've got to talk about chemistry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so when do you make the jump from science to, to law? 
So the interesting part was um, I was supposed to be a, a medical doctor, and uh, I actually uh, took the MCATs to be a medical doctor. What, what changed for me was I went to visit UCLA Medical School my last year in college, and I just spoke to the students. To me, it was um, it was eye-opening to speak to students and get their perspective on life and what the first year of medical school was like. So I think it's very important to have people that you can open the dialogue with and talk about those things. I think absolutely. After realizing, oh, I couldn't agree more. After realizing what um, what in, what it entailed to do two years of you know of hardcore studying and uh, two years of you know of internships or externships and then residency, I decided that it was it I would go a different route and uh, start. Uh, a different type of school. So that I applied to, to law school after that. Mm-hmm. And did you have mentors along the way that were talking about law school and you were just focused on medicine until you talked to those students or how, yeah. how did you make that switch? Yeah. So other people were encouraging you. Sure. So yeah. I, uh, during my sophomore year in college, I got a summer job at a law firm in the Inland Empire where, I, where I'm originally from. And uh, I met lawyers there who were very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, you know, you go to law school and be a lawyer that can teach you to do anything you want. So if you decide not to go to, to medical school, which you clearly have decided, then why don't you try law school? It might be something mm-hmm. that you want to do. It might be right up your alley. You know, you're a pretty good negotiator. I was negotiating, you know, lean sure. personal injury sure. back then. So um, I have some civil experience because of that. But it, it was them, they, the older mm-hmm. adults that had been through you know, professional careers that listen, you, you can do this too, you know, mm-hmm. make your father and your family proud and, 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 and do something with your life. Don't just, yeah. you know, work for us for a year and then go out and be a, you know, a legal assistant for the next couple of years. Nothing wrong with that, but you, you can aspire for more. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about your community service because it seems really important in, in your in your biography that you're giving back to the community in so many ways. I want to hone in and talk about your community service with the Legal Studies Academy at Santa Ana High School. Of course. What so, is that about, and what do you do? So, this is the fascinating part about this. So, um, <clears throat> because of the mentors and mentors that that, that have shaped my life and career. Um, from, you know, working at the law firms early on, from working at the DA's office with my mentor, who was a scientist early on. Um, I've learned that, you know, it's very important to have people like that, that have been through what you're going through, that recognize the struggles you are as a student and as a young adult. And I think um, uh, because of that, back in 2014, um, I, I started volunteering at the Santa Ana High School um, Legal Studies Academy. It wasn't an academy back then. It was just the mock trial team. So the mock trial team back then was um, a team that was made up of, of, of newer and older students. But I saw them compete at J. Sarah down in South County, and I could tell they needed they needed work. So um, I, along with some colleagues of mine, went down to the high school a couple of days a week to try and help them to the tournament, and um, we taught them how to you know how to be public speakers how to deliver an opening statement, how to deliver a pretrial argument. So from 2014 to today, we've continued to help them to develop. And not only have we helped them develop into you know, great speakers and deliver opening arguments, but we've even helped them to, um, to get into big schools like Harvard and Stanford and to be better than we are. Because you know I got into University of Redlands, no offense against University of Redlands, but they can be bigger than us. And I think to, yeah. to us, 
to mentor kids like that, to let them know that, you know, they can do better than us, I think has been one of the biggest accomplishments and satisfying parts of my career. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I think the permission to dream big is one of the best gifts we can give students. Absolutely. And, And to see them go off and do well at some of these big schools to us is satisfying. We know we've done something right. Right. Absolutely. So what advice would you give to students who are thinking about law school? Um, I would tell students, um, don't worry about what your major is. I think the biggest thing about law school is, um, you know, I'm a chemistry major. I'm not supposed to be here, but, you know, it helped me in my career. But you can do anything. I've seen bio majors come through law school. I've seen, you know, English majors come through law school. The important thing is law school teaches you to think outside the box and to be different, and to be analytical. Um, I think that the biggest advice I could give you is, you know, think big, Um, uh, think outside the box, Um, read as much as you can, because in my eyes, the biggest wake-up call for me in law school was to learn terminology and learn new words. I'm a science person. I'm very structured the way I think, but I learned to read very, very quickly in law school. I think if I could go back and do it all over again, I would have read more in college than I than I had before. Now I yeah. read every time I'm on vacation. I'll read two or three books and I'll just fly through them just because it's it's, sure. it's gotten it's gotten to the point where you 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 enjoy the reading now. Right, right. And so one of your jobs as as um, in in the district attorney's office and assistant head of court is hiring deputy district attorneys. What are you looking for when you're hiring somebody for the Orange County DA's office? Um, personally, um, it depends on what position that they're hired, that they're hired for. Like we'll, we'll hire for internships in our office, which we proudly love for different students of all walks of life. We actually hire for a law clerk positions, which are students that are in law school. We look for students that are well-rounded. Um, we also hire, I have also hired lawyers and new fellows that have just passed the bar. I'm looking for well-rounded students that can provide something to this office. To me, somebody that's analytical that's um, very um, um, tied to the community in some point, in some way, that has um, uh, good academics in their background, that's able to, 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 to connect with people to me. Because we are, as much as we don't like to say it, our office is very much tied to the community. We're very much, um, we're socially driven. And, you know, even though we don't like to say it, it's a public service to be doing this job and you have to be able and willing to absolutely um, uh, 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 dedicate your life to public service. And I think that's what I'm looking for. Somebody yeah. that's willing to do that. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think anybody who's been involved in, in a criminal trial, especially, um, you know, the victim's witness program there is so incredible at helping, but I, I think it's really important that the courtroom be uh, seen as community service because it is when when you're at your lowest moment as the victim of a crime or or you know in this very different arena it's really helpful to have people who understand that role absolutely so let's talk about running for judge what does sure. that look like what does a campaign look like what why are you interested um you know it's a nonpartisan race Judges don't make policy, so it's always hard to actually know who to vote for. So give me your pitch. Why you? Why are you interested? And why should uh, listeners take a look at your sure. campaign? I think uh, it actually dovetails in the exact same area we were just talking about, Ms. Palma. Um, to me, 
I think that some of the better uh, candidates and uh, for judge and quite frankly for any public office are people that can sympathize and empathize with people such as victims. To me, that's been the focus of my career my entire life that um, you know we focus on, on, on victims and we focus on victims of, of various crimes. What's not in my bio that I, that I don't like to um, advertise too much is when I didn't realize this until after I became a prosecutor is that my grandfather was the victim of a, of a murder in Mexico. He was the chief of police. And um, wow. it's, it's something that you don't really expect and you don't think about until your mom tells you this is sure. what happened. So sure. to me, I think it's important to realize that um, you have to be willing to look at the victim side of, of a crime. For example, you know, I've talked to several hate crime victims over my career. I, I prosecuted hate crimes for uh, four years as a line prosecutor and two years as a supervisor. You have to be willing to empathize and willing to, to talk to victims, you know, face to face and get to meet them and get to prepare them for court. I was just on a Zoom conference for uh, victims of Asian hate last week. And I'll tell you, it's not easy to recover from a crime like that. I've seen victims from all walks of life hate crimes, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, African-American, and they've gone through a lot. And that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. The thing about this particular job is you have to be willing to look at both sides, however, and you have to be willing to balance the needs of being uh, somebody who's strong in public safety, but being willing to listen to to you know to a to a defendant and their life story because I'm sure there's um, uh, instances where somebody has gone through you know uh, difficult times themselves. So you have to strike that balance. And I think um, because of my background, uh, we're growing up in a you know in a community that was very uh, difficult for me. Um, I think I bring that to the table. I bring that balance of being a fair and balanced an honest prosecutor to the table. Um, you have to have a good demeanor, be willing to find that, quote, what we call that judicial voice, right? And I think that is the, what's what's important. You have to be able to be willing to interact with people of all walks of life that can trust you and believe in you and believe that the system is going to be fair on both sides. And I think that's yeah. what I bring to the table. Yeah. So how do you campaign for judge? Well, I'll tell you, I'm not a politician. So it's a which is exactly what we want. That's the that's the <laughs> challenge is we don't want politicians. And yet we make you become politicians exactly. for a little bit. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't like it. I don't like campaigning. Yeah. It's difficult. Um, you know, in, in my eyes, um, you have to get out there and let people know who you are. And I tell people all the time, listen, don't judge me on a campaign that's taken six or seven months to put together. Judge me on a lifetime of achievement. I've been working in this county for 21 years. I've worked on the highest profile cases you can imagine. I worked on the Golden State Killer case when I was a brand new lawyer. I worked in the gang unit for 10 years. I did hate crimes for four years. You know, I'm a supervisor now. You know, judge me on my entire career. And I think that's a difficult part because, as you know, um, judicial candidates are not very well known. So, you know, I, I try and get my name out wherever right. I can. So you can get to know the person yeah. behind that behind that, that that job. And it's a difficult we call job. we call it the lowest of the low information candidates. Hundred percent. It's very, <laughs> very low information. We figured everyone always asks the lawyers, who should yes. we vote for? Right? Right. So that's the thing. I I you know, I've I've made it a career um just to make sure that um I'm very, you know, my father taught me to be respectful. 
and be, you know, very, very um, dignified with how I deal with everyone. So yeah. you, you'll not find a lawyer in this county, uh, a victim in this county, a defendant in this county, a judge that'll say, you know what, Mr. Claustro ever, he, he disrespected me in any way because that's not how I do things. Mm-hmm. I'm very respectful and people know me, know me for that reason. Yeah. So, so what does diversity on the bench mean for Orange County? Not, not just identity politics, though, you know, representation is really important, but, but the full measure of what you and others who are running for these positions would mean for our community. Yeah. Um, I think diversity on the bench is very important. And uh, we, we uh, in our office have, have started um, I'm, I'm a co-founder in our office of the Association for Inclusion, Diversity, and Equity. And what that means for me in our office and for the bench is that we provide and allow, you know, people of all different walks of life and experiences to have an understanding of multiculturalism, not only in our office, but in our county. Our county is a melting pot of different race, different cultures, different experiences. And I think it's important that our bench our DA's office, our defense bar have that multiculturalism. And I think it's important because it brings that trust and it fosters trust amongst people that are out um, appearing before judges every day. They want to see people that look like them. They want to see people that sound like them. And they want to be, they want to feel like the system has been trustful and has been honest with them. And I think mm-hmm. the more people that we put on the bench um, that 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 reflect our community. I think it's a, it, it, it will give you better results in terms of how people see the, the criminal justice system, whether it's in criminal court, family court, civil court, juvenile court, whatever that may be. I've had experience in all those courts. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, it's interesting to see the different types of, um, of people that walk through there in all walks of life. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad you brought up that the, the, you know, the criminal justice system is only one part of our judicial system. And, and I think, you know, it's important to get lots of different uh, representations. So thank you so much. So at the end of the show, I ask uh, all my guests to answer the same questions. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? The best advice I've ever gotten is when you wake up every morning, make sure that where you're going to work every day is a place that you want to be and you're around people that you want to be around. And I've done that every day of my career. When I was in college, I did it when I was doing it, when I was a bilingual instructional aide at the high school. When I was working for a law firm in college, I love the people I work with. They challenged me every day. For 21 years, I've been in this office. I've developed friendships, lifelong friendships with people that I could not have ever imagined that I would be. You know, some of my best friends in the office are now judges, are now prosecutors, are now defense attorneys that I would have never thought that I would be you know, a part of that circle. To me, it's very rewarding to me to have been a part of this office for many, many years. And I, and I live by that. Every day I wake up, I, this is a new challenge today. And I think it's important yeah. to, 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 to face that challenge face-to-face and you know, do good things by it. So, Yeah, absolutely. So what's a book you like to recommend to people? <laughs> well, um, I'm I'm a little bit of a uh, of a crime uh, type uh, type guy, so I like the crime books. But I'll tell okay. you one of the books I most recently read that I thought was a fascinating read to me was because I'm a crime person was I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which is a book by Michelle McNamara, and it's the book about the uh, the Golden State Killer. It was a phenomenal read. 
She unfortunately passed away before she wrote, finished writing the book, but her right. husband finished writing it. But it's a great book about, you know, how this particular killer was elusive for so many years and some of the tactics that he used mm-hmm. because he was a former police officer. So yeah. to me, it was a great book to read for people that are interested in that kind of a. And do you a, get a cameo a in the book? <laughs> I wish I wish. I <laughs> but no, I wish I did. But no, I mean, we, we did a lot of a lot of work on that to try and identify the killer because we had his DNA for many, many years. Yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating case for those who, who didn't follow it in fear while it was happening and or, or just the legal part uh, with, with the resolution finally. So absolutely. Yeah. Is there a hopeful message you can share with our listeners? I, I, I do have a hopeful message. I'll, I will tell you, um, as Miss Balmas put it, there's nothing like hard work to get you through life. And there's nothing like hard work um, to get you through school. Um, if, if, if you ever believe that you can't do something or you ever think that you can't do something, you know, look, look for a mentor, look for a teacher, look for somebody in the community to, to help you, to help walk you through that. Because we've all been there where you think, I don't think I can do this anymore. And, um, that's not true because we've all been there. I, I get calls all the time from my students to say, listen, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think I can finish my internship at your office anymore. Well, guess what? We've all been there. We all have those feelings of desperation, but you can get through them because you know what? The moment that you say you can't do it, you work harder and mm-hmm. you, know, you dedicate yourself to whatever you decide to do and you end up doing it and, and becoming stronger and better about it. So, you know, as, as as I've told every group I've ever spoken to, you ever need anyone to come and talk to your class and push them and encourage them to do better and, and, and show you a product of somebody that wasn't the best student, but he's here today, right? Mm-hmm. He's more than happy to. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. So finally, who should we talk to next? Great. Um, I would talk to the head of court here at Fullerton. Um, uh, Christopher Duff is another prosecutor who's also running for office. To me, he is the epitome of a great prosecutor who's very open to listening to both sides. Um, he taught me to be the prosecutor that I am today. He took me under his wing when I was a brand new DA. You know, didn't care if I was, you know, African American, Hispanic, whatever. He just wanted to to, to help somebody who who needed help uh, navigating his way through the office. So another great um, uh, great prosecutor who uh, is tied into Fullerton and tied into the community. Um, he has a great perspective on hiring. He has a great perspective on. Uh, what is needed to be a great judge. So I think you'd be a great candidate, a great fit for your class. Good. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for sharing some time and good luck on the campaign trail. You're very welcome. Thank you, Ms. Ballman. It's great to see you. Take care. So I realize that we don't ever acknowledge our uh, incredible production team. So I want to add this to the end. Thank you for listening to A Slice of Orange. I'm Jody Balma. I want to thank our executive producer, Ann Watfett, and our editors and producers, Alexandria Kim and Cindy Gimple. This podcast would not be possible without them. So thanks to them. Stop.